0: Welcome to the Upper Room Community Church Podcast. Wherever you are in your journey, we hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit us at upperroom.ca. We are. uh, If you're new joining us or uh, you just forget everything that happened seven days ago, which I know happens to all of us, uh, we are in a series called I'm Not Okay, and we're actually bringing it to a close this morning. And it's just about the fact, recognizing the reality that for different reasons and different seasons, for um, no matter who it is, we all might find ourselves in a place and a time or walking with people who are saying, I'm not okay. And one of the reasons we're doing that as a church, actually there are a few reasons, is to just make it easier. To, to, for each of us to put up our hands and say, I'm not, I'm not doing okay, I need help. To, to experience the church, the family of God, and uh, and the people that you know here, and the people you're in home group with as people that you can trust enough to say, I need help, I'm not doing okay. But also because we want to know where is God in the middle of these things. It's the thing that often we question the most. Um, is, is God's presence or God's, um, God's existence or God's work or lack of it in times like that. And then we also know that we want to become a community that is a refuge for a world that is crying out for help, where many people, as they're going through seasons like this, for all kinds of reasons, whether um, it's mental health um, uh, symptoms or things, experience of depression, anxiety, or dealing with addiction, dealing with relational fracture and divorce, um, loss, grief and loss of people, loved ones in life, loss of jobs. Uh, whether abuse or trauma. And these are all the things we've been covering the last few weeks. And so if you're new and you're like, oh, I'd like to know more about that, you can go online and and, uh, go through that. But we know that many people as they go through feel alone. And so we want the church to be a place where people feel like they can come for help. One of the most uh, kind of the most profound stories of suffering in the library of Scripture is a book called Job. They think it was one of the, f- if not the first book ever written, and it's a long, protracted story about one person's intense um, suffering. And there's a lot of questions that um, Job, as he's going through suffering, is wrestling with. Questions that even if you're not a person of faith or you have never read the book, you would say, "Yeah, okay, uh, you know," questions like. Where is God, and how do I deal with this, and how come this is happening to me, and what is, is there such a thing as evil, and is this evil that's being done to me, or is God doing this to me, or how does he dealing or not dealing with the evil that's going on? But one of the interesting themes, if you read the book a few times that you will notice, that most of the pages are filled with is about the friendships or the relationships that Job has with people around him. Um, as he's going through this suffering. And it's actually a very uh, insightful description of what to do or maybe what not to do for each other as we're trying to learn how to be good friends and family to one another as we walk through suffering and pain. What's interesting in it um, is that the first few days when Job's friends find him in this really bad situation, I won't go through all the details, but he's in a rough spot. And the first thing they do, it says, is that they just sit down with him and cry. They don't say anything. For seven days, they just sat with him. It says they tore their clothes. It was a symbol of sort of sharing someone's grief with them, like uh, ashes on your head, torn clothes, saying this is not good. It was a visible sign of suffering. And so they see their friend who's in a really bad place, and they instinctively, intuitively do the right thing. They move towards him. They rip their clothes with him. They put ashes on their head, and they sit down with him, and they cry. And then they open their mouths and everything goes south. And for about 35 chapters in this book is the back and forth of the friends giving advice, trying to explain to Job what is going on and what he should do. And this is really important for us to think about, friends, as we want to be a family and a community to each other. As we have people, undoubtedly, that in our lives, close to us, that we work with, that we go to school with, that we, um, you know, we eat meals with, we share a house with, we share a bed with, who are going through difficult things, and how do we actually um, be good friends, be family to them, and use words that can help? And the, the truth is, as we've said kind of throughout this series, is that we don't really know how to do it well. And in fact, even as the church, we can do it even worse because we bring God into it. And this is actually one of those, the books describes these friends who know God and are trying to explain to Job the reasons for his suffering and where God might be. And, and if you read how they respond to him, it kind of falls into four different categories that I wanted to, to talk briefly about today. Um, one of the approaches and responses to people who are suffering, as one of Job's friends, kind of takes the sort of the moral judgment which is, you must have done something to deserve this. You must have done something to deserve this. I mean, these kinds of things and, and the serious stuff you're dealing with and how bad it is, I mean, that doesn't happen to people unless you probably did something to deserve it. Like, you must have done something. Like, okay, it's... A, and, Okay, search your mind. They're like going at, the one friend is going after Job over and over. Think about it, think about it, think about it. This isn't the way the world works. Bad things don't happen to righteous and good people. So bad things are happening, which means you're probably not righteous and good, or you think you are, but you're a mess. And this is one of the approaches. And so Job gets in this argument with him about trying to say, no, I'm not. Like, I didn't do anything. I didn't, okay, I'm not perfect, but to deserve this? I didn't, I didn't do that. And that can be one response, a sort of moral judgment. Another response that we see in the book of Job is, is one of his friends over-spiritualizes it. Oh, this is a spiritual mystery, and he starts talking about the beginning of the world, and it's kind of philosophy and spirituality mixed together. You ever have friends like that? And you're like, no, you're that friend. No, I'm just kidding. We, look, we all do it, okay? It, and, and he starts telling the story about the, how the beginning of the world was formed and the stars in the sky and all, and it's very, very spiritual and very philosophical. And Job is sitting in dust and ashes going, not helpful, and arguing with him. Um, A third approach one of his friends is just a practical, very pragmatic. You can't just sit here all day. Okay, like, it's been seven days. Like, how long you want to cry? Like, you just got to do something. You can't just be here. The whole time Job is saying, I want to talk to God. I want an answer because this is not fair. This is not right. And his friend's like, come on, man. Like, just, just pull yourself up. Like, do something Okay, the the reason is defying what you're talking. You're not being reasonable, man. Like, think properly. Talk this through. And that can be an approach, a pragmatic approach. And then um, the the fourth one, what did we say the fourth one? Yeah, the righteous high ground. How dare you talk about God like that? Because Job says some pretty provocative things about God. He basically says, God is in the wrong here. I'm not in the wrong. I did not deserve this. God, if you're saying one of us is wrong, it's not me. I want an audience with him. He has done this to me. It's not fair. It's not right. And one of his friends gets, a few of them get mad at him. They're like, you can't talk about God like that. Like, how dare you question God or challenge God? And just take a look at those four things, right? We do this. We say these things. And even as you read the book, it's actually kind of hard to tell. You know, you're reading a story and you're hearing a dialogue and you're like, hey, which one's right? Which one's right? And you're kind of like going back and forth with it. And it sort of sounds like some of what they're saying, that there's maybe truth to it. And it goes on for the, like 90% of the book. So the first few percentages, all the stuff that happened to Job and the mess he was in, his friends would come and just cry with him. And then they open their mouths. And the 34 chapters, they're just, it's a war of words. And, and the evidence, the empirical evidence was it wasn't helping. Even if they were right, Job was not listening. It was not getting better, it was getting worse. And their friendships were getting fractured and frayed. And that happens too, right? Maybe you've experienced that. As people have tried to say things to you and help, whatever, and then eventually you start to either get in a fight or it's just someone throws up their hands and says, there's no getting through to you. There's no point to this. And any one or either one or both can throw up their hands and say, this isn't, this isn't working. And there's all this conversation. And it leads up to the very end of the book, where God finally speaks. And what God says is so interesting. Look what he says. I am angry with you. He's talking to the friends, because you have not spoken the truth about me. In all of their explanations, some of them very spiritual, some of them drawing on you know, the history of God and his people and all of this stuff, Some of them saying things that on one level, when you read them, you're like, yeah, that's true. And yet in the end, God is angry with them because he's basically saying, you misrepresented me. You didn't speak in all your words, in the 34 chapters of all of your explanations to Job about why this must be happening to him and what he did and what I was doing and who I was in the end you didn't tell the truth about me. In other words, you don't know what you're talking about. And then he says, which must have been kind of fun vindication for Job, you know what? Job's going to pray for you, and if he prays for you, I'll forgive you. It's this. And then in the end, actually, he has this conversation with Job, and Job says the same thing about himself. He's like, okay, I was speaking about things I didn't understand. It brings up this question of then, well, how, how do we care for each other well in community, when we're struggling, when we're suffering, how can our words, like silence and crying together is really important. That's just really important. But how can our words or how can our lives actually be of a help to each other and not a hindrance? How can our words and our lives not pile up even more hurt on the person who's suffering? How do we actually learn to function together as a community and journey together um, knowing that this is going to happen. It is happening. I don't know about you and your home group, but anything I've realized is every week, we're not short on things to talk about. All of us in different ways and for different reasons are dialoguing about these seasons and things we've been through, things we're going through, things you know that may come. And so this is so important for us to learn. It's like within your relationships, but in the broader family of the church, how do we be communing together? And so what we did was a couple of weeks ago, I, uh, I assembled, um, a few people in our church who are part of our church family who I think can speak well into this. And I did an interview with them. We were going to do it live, but we wanted to do it in both our congregations on the same day in Bolton and in Bonn. And so um, so there's a video interview I want you to watch. And I want you to understand these are people who are within our own community who are helping to, to give us handles on how do we do this together? How do we walk um, together in this? So let's watch. Greetings, Upper Room. It's my pleasure to be joined today by three uh, people who are a part of our church family um, as we as a church have been in this conversation over the last few weeks um, called I'm Not Okay, and uh, not just from the perspective of mental health and depression and anxiety, but just looking at all of the ways and reasons why various of us for different at different times in life for different seasons, whether in an acute period of time or for a prolonged period of time, would say, oh yeah, I'm not okay, I'm not doing well. And um, recognize there's a clinical side to this, there's experiential. We said from the beginning, this is about mind, body, um, emotions, um, and then connected to relation And so uh, one of the things that we want to do is we are kind of bringing this series to a close. uh, And I asked these fine people to join me in this conversation is just what is it? What is the role of community? How do we journey through this together? Um, And so each of the people that are gonna talk today have interacted with this uh, in different ways, personally, vocationally. And so I'm just gonna ask them initially just to introduce themselves and a little bit about how they've come into contact um, in their own lives or the people they've worked with in terms of people who say, yeah, I'm not okay, uh, whether from specifically from the mental health side or just even in terms of interactions with people that you have uh, journeyed with. So Tim.
1: Yeah, well, I've spent... uh, Well, your name first. I'm Tim, Tim Huff, and uh, I'm fairly new to the church the last couple of years. Uh, But I've spent the last 33 years in full-time ministry, and predominantly among uh, people who are street-involved or homeless, uh, hidden homeless for many years, and who would definitely say they're not okay. Mm. And mental health has been part of their journey either to the streets or part of their street story and trying to get out of that. So that would be a great place of my learning, would it be hands-on, right under the Gardner Expressway, under the Bathurst Bridge, with people that were physically, socially, emotionally, spiritually just not doing okay. It would be, I, I'm not exploiting them, they would say so. Mm. So, and then I've, out of that I've written a few books. One's called Bent Hope, one's called Am I Safe? for kids and adults, and, and those would kind of expose um, how I am uh, kind of speaking to those issues.
0: Yeah. So and are you still, what, what are you doing right now? So now
1: I am with Youth Unlimited, and uh, as I had been for many years, And uh, I run a program called The Compassion Series, which is basically the last book and resource section we uh, put together is called Am I Safe? Mm -hmm. Which is about how do we actually, parents and teachers and families and grandparents, walk along children as they're uh, dealing with fear and anxiety. That's great.
0: Yeah, Yeah. so that we've sent out a resource sheet, but that would be one you could add to that list for sure. Thanks, Tim. Robin?
2: Um, I'm Robin Godber, uh, so I started my career as a child and youth worker and worked in schools and group homes. And then um, after about five years of that, I, I, I worked with teenagers, by the way. Uh, so after a few years of that, I realized I wanted to go back to school and become a therapist. Um, so I did that, and over about the last 10 years, uh, I've really focused on working with teenagers and young adults, um, 11 to 22. For a while, I was going into foster homes and um, meeting with teens in foster homes who were going through stuff where they would you know, also say, I'm not okay, and really been through some tough stuff. Um, I worked at Toronto District Christian High School for five years as a therapist, and now um, I have a private practice in Bolton, Ontario.
0: Great, thank you.
3: Uh, my name is Rob Cademi. Um I've been attending Upper Room for about 8 years and I'm on the elders board as well. Um, I guess my journey with mental health um, up to about 5 years ago, probably didn't understand it at all, um, I, I figured we're all kind of depressed and we all have something, plus I'm um, I'm Gen X too, so, and, and I work for, my own, for myself, self-employed, so when someone would try to call in with a mental health day, it would be like, I don't think so, I'm going to get to work. <laughs> Until about four or five years ago, um, I was actually painting Larry and Joanna's house, and uh, Sunday during the day, my mind was all cloudy. Um, Monday morning, I wake up, it's worse, I woke up late, I just remember sitting on the edge of my bed and not being able to focus, not sure what day it was. Um, my hands were shaking. It was like, oh, man, I, I got to get down to, to Joanna and meet her, right? Um, so all I remember is kind of getting through helping Joanna with colors. And the only thing on my mind was I got to get home and I got to get to bed. And that was my first real kind of experience with something's going on here that's more than... Just not feeling good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I think, you know, as we've talked about this, thank you all for, for being willing to be a part of this. Um, there's lots of um, reasons for uh, how people would get into this. Uh, and then the times there's no uh, predictability to how someone will find it, or like Rob, you talk about a day, or you talk about someone living. Uh, in in a condition that is perpetually going to drive them there. And I know the the research studies, and we've referenced CAMH quite a bit, but the linkage between mental health and um, people on the street and homelessness and that is is so strong. Um, But specifically, when we talk about how do we journey through this and how do we become a community that can, one of the things I wanted to hear from you guys is um, because isolation. Is obviously not only one of the the symptoms sometimes of feeling that, but the but the um, the response to it. Um, either because we don't know how people are going to receive it, or the people who people in our lives don't seem to know how to deal with it. So either we feel pushed to the margins, or pushed away, or society in general might have that bent, or we ourselves are wanting to withdraw. How does community work? Like, how? What is the role and the need for community um, in being in a relationship? Um, both for those of us that would say, Yeah, I'm struggling with that, well, how do I engage the community? Or for us as a community, saying we want to be uh, a family to be able to walk each other through that. So, Tim, in, in your experience, obviously you've been community to people who have been on the street and struggling with these things at various levels. What have you seen and observed?
1: Um, well, statistics show that for adults, loneliness is actually one of the number one fears they have. Of all the things, it's loneliness. And so presence is part of that. We have to work out what presence means, though. Mm. We don't come in with a God complex ourselves and our pride is full and I'll be present and I'll do more than be present. I'll fix this. Mm. So that's that would be one of the uh, areas. I think that um, across the board from ages five to seven and eight to 11, teenagers and adulthood, I'm sure you found this, that peer rejection is also a number one fear. And so acceptance, no matter where we're at and how we are, is another, one, another important piece of the puzzle. So we walk into the journey with other people, perhaps not having all the answers, especially a church community, but deciding to be present. And then the last piece I would say is that compassion is at the center. And that starts with understanding the etymology of the word compassion, which is to endure or suffer with. So we don't just feel bad, we don't feel pity, we don't feel all these things. We decide we're going to enter in and endure with to come alongside with. So to understand what compassion means as a community, as a church body, as friends, as family.
0: How did you, just, just a quickly, how did you get into this? Because you've been in 30 years, and people might listen to your story and go, oh, I can never do that. I, you know, my own experience is like one thing leads to another. But when in this idea of compassion, like, OK, I'm, these are, I think I need to enter into this. With, do you remember kind of just how it started? Yeah,
1: well, I, I, you know, I was an animation student. I was going to go out become a cartoonist. But I had started working at a camp for deaf children, uh, who were then called Deaf Plus. They had multiple. Um, Special needs, they called it back then. I was 16 years old. I just fell in love with this different group of people that I was unaware of what they were going through. And my heart broke. And that led to other things. I just followed down this road of thinking, maybe I need to participate in worlds that are a little different than mine. Mm -hmm. And learn and be humbled by that and mm. give what I can.
0: It's important, I think, what you said about my heart broke for something and then I followed it. Mm-hmm. I know for me and some of the experiences that I've had either with whether it's the human trafficking stuff that I felt started, you know, God pulling me into, I was resisting the breaking of my heart. Like as I, it was already coming in and I was like, oh I don't I don't especially me who I just like everything to be happy and what's the next fun thing, allowing darkness into my life was threatening for me and and yet that it was this beautiful thing as god began to say well this i want to show you my heart so i just i love what well, you said even I, when
1: we started light patrol which is yeah. the street uh, ministry uh, that i helped start with youth unlimited it's still going if you want to volunteer um people would come and say oh i'm so i care so deeply i'd like to be part of that but i don't know anything about street culture i don't know about the drugs i don't know about um sex trafficking, all that kind of stuff. And we would be like, if your heart is soft and gentle, we can teach you the Mm. culture of street. We can't teach you to have a gentle, soft heart. Yeah,
0: that's good. And just to to close that, for some of you, some of this may be just God breaking your heart and saying, I want you to get closer mm-hmm. to this. And so that's something to pay attention. You may not know how it's all going to look like, or especially for some of you students. So you're saying, well, how does this work? It's not up to you to figure out, is this a career? It's just, as you said, you do the next thing, and God is working in that. So Robin, what about you? And obviously, in terms of private practice, but you worked in high schools and certainly with young people, and as Tim talked about, the dynamic of peer acceptance, like friends are everything for people on that stage. So even if you were to talk to people say in the ages of the people that you work with between 15 and 22 mm-hmm. what encouragements would you give around community or what have you seen works um in that or is needed
2: um i guess i was thinking about this uh just from a counseling perspective like all our training like you're talking about is um around the relationship right like i took a whole course on they called it the working alliance or the therapeutic relationship and it's all about building a connection with somebody so really um such a focus on the relationship. And as I've been thinking about this, as we've been doing this whole series, um, community versus counselling, they're so different. Like trying to apply um, counselling principles to what we're talking about here, it just, I've really been challenged over the past few years in realizing that um, Like once you get into counselling for a little while, there's something about it that just becomes, it's safe right? It's heavy, and it's heartbreaking, and it's, it's hard, hard stuff, but everything's very clearly defined. You have, um, you have a role, you set goals, you work towards something, you have a process, you're following you know, a specific sort of um, way of doing things, and the person who comes to see you is expecting all of that. So there's something about that that you form that relationship, but it's this nice, safe little bubble. Right. And I've been thinking about community and church and my own place in community and church, and I think really it's, it's harder and it's different. And I think it's still all about the relationship, but um, I guess what I've been feeling challenged with is just that we need to take more risks, and we need to love more, and we need to risk being more vulnerable with ourselves and risk um, not having the answers, right? Like as a counselor, I'm expected to be not in charge, not an authority, but you know, people are coming to me to go through a process. Whereas in community, in relationship, um, it's, it's much more flexible and unpredictable and uh, just very different. And I think um, there needs to be that sense of love and that sense of saying like, I don't need to have the answers, um, but I love you, and I want to support you. And my heart, like like you talked about, the softening of your heart Mm -hmm. and the willingness to let it break for someone else. Like for me, that's community, and that's sort of the journey I'm on, figuring that out as these two things are happening simultaneously in my life.
0: Yeah. That's good. I think it's important to, to, for there to be grace on, in both in both ways. like if you're someone who's struggling with this, like you said, a, a counselor can I think and I think the role of counseling we talked about is, is really important, mm-hmm. um, because there is a need for people who are trained and for who um, you know have a pathway, and, but um, you know, you can go to a counselor and you don't find a connection and you think, I'll just go to another counselor. Mm -hmm. And that maybe can be helpful and important in counseling. But in church family and community, Mm -hmm. sometimes we do that where I opened up and someone didn't receive it well or I was rebuffed or they didn't understand what I was saying. And that happens. And we want to grow as being community, but I think there needs to be grace in saying, hey, it's not always going to come out right from you. It's not always going to be received well. Or as you said, for those of us that would say, oh, I want to help that we're going to fumble the ball, and we're going to say things, and we need to be able to go, hey, I don't know if I handled that conversation well. Like, can we talk? So just grace on both sides, Mm -hmm. um, I think, is important. Like, Rob, one of the things I want to ask you, because I think one of the things I really appreciated about our, we're friends, we minister together. Um, I have just so, yeah, I'll get emotional about it. I just love the fact that you have invited me and our board as you're serving into this, and just been honest. and. Uh, about your sort of journey. How have you found that in terms of interacting with community as you're going through these? And you know, we've talked about kind of there's an up and down nature to this. Um, Yeah, what has it been like for you to be in a church family, to be open, be open with peers, with friends, and?
3: Not easy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's been good. We have an amazing, amazing church with amazing people. so yeah, it's been. I'm still at the beginning, hmm. so I don't really know. But um, I remember meeting with Tony Samet um, before an elders meeting for for lunch uh, or or dinner, and um, it was a really like it was the peak of the worst. So I just kind of started telling him a bunch of stuff, and he said, um, "You really need to say this to the elders board tonight." So you know, at, at the meeting we were having, at, at the yeah. meeting, yeah, um, we're talking about you, Tony. Uh, so <clears throat> I think that Tony's friendship over all these years, it was beautiful. It just gave him the right. He, he saw the spot. and He says, "Robbie, you got to do this." Hmm. And I was kind of like, "I don't know." <laughs> so uh, I went into the meeting, and uh, Tim was doing the devotional, and it was just like, as soon as he opened it uh, up, I just started crying. Right? Yeah. And I just kind of told the guys what I was going through, and they prayed for me. And it was a good start. It was a good start with community for sure. Hmm. So hopefully we could continue to build that culture here for sure. Yeah,
0: maybe we can talk a little bit on the other side of like what what hasn't helped. I mean, I know whatever like then what not to do. But I find that's important. Like when someone says, "Don't say this, don't do that," or this isn't always helpful. Um, Can you guys just talk a little bit to that?
1: I think one of the things that uh, predominantly everyone's spoken to it is that we are safe to people. Mm -hmm. If you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the physiologicals at the bottom, air and water and food, and you get to second place is safety. And sometimes we think that's all about just shelter and stuff, but really it's the safety of other people. Mm -hmm. And people don't get to those other levels of self-actualization and confidence and belonging if they don't feel safe hmm. and sometimes that safety is about your body language it's how much you have to say and here's one that's a little bit controversial especially hmm. among not controversial but is something to think about among churches is forced sharing mm-hmm. which can be done in a lot of christian circles Forced sharing where you're exposing yourself in a moment that's not great for you to expose and the people you're with are not necessarily safe for you and sometimes you put under the banner of a church or a prayer testimony or testimony and it doesn't work out Mm. well so i think we have to just be cautious and always saying how am i a safe person for someone else in this Mm. discussion Mm. how are we as the church safe that they people don't go home and feel even more anxious or withdrawn or fearful hmm. because they've shared.
0: Yeah. And I think that's important as we interact as a community. There's different circles, I'm speaking speaking specifically in in the church family, there's like the large group weekly gathering, but then there's also home groups and then there's also individual friendships and relationships. And I think what we need to be able to ask ourselves is, hey, not everybody in this room needs to know everything that's going on in my life. But if nobody knows, I'm not in a safe place either. So is there a safe person? That's and Tim, would you say even just saying to hey, like even using that language is like, hey, I'm hoping you can be a safe person for me, like in terms of confidentiality yeah. and like. Just even
1: asking that but uh, I've had it with friendships I've had it from <clears throat> myself certainly on the street we even know body language and how close and far away you get to someone is part of the safety you know with homeless people most people feel like they're the ones who are afraid of a homeless person and most of my homeless friends would say no they're the ones who are afraid. Mm. And so it's no different, you know, the real principles of everything are trust, hope, and dignity. That's what our friends on the street need. That's what our friends sitting in the congregation need. Mm. Trust, hope, and dignity. We cannot fulfill and move forward into wellness if we don't trust people, if they don't share hope with us, and mm. if they don't dignify us in some mm. way. It's beautiful. Yeah, thanks.
2: Um, I guess I've been thinking just over the last maybe five, six months about, um, and things that I've been taught um about the difference of fear and love. Like, so often I think we're afraid to s- take a risk and share what we're feeling because we're afraid. We're afraid of what people will think, or we believe that we should have it all together. Um, and we have to put on this performance or this act. Um, and vice versa, like, talking about mental health and talking about being safe. Um, Sometimes it doesn't feel safe to be the support person, to be the person that somebody comes to and says like, you know, they're in tears or they're struggling or something's happened the past week. Um, that can feel really scary too because we have this dialogue happening in, my, in our heads about um, what if I say the wrong thing? Oh, I need to fix this. Um, this is really awkward and I, 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 I'm not equipped for this. Um, I think that's a fear dialogue from both sides right i have to hold myself together i have to do everything right that's fear and also i have to have all the answers or i have to you know say the right christian verse or i have to you know um fix this that's also fear and i've been really um like encouraged myself this year just really focusing on um like we have a platform of love from god from jesus that is what we can land on that is what can fuel us, if we know that we're loved, we can act out of love. Mm. And we can all know that we're loved. We're deeply, deeply loved. And when we let go of the fear and we tap into that love, Mm. and when we act out of love and we just think like, geez, what is this person feeling? What is this person going through? And we just let go of all the fear and let go of all the pressure and just let ourselves tap into that. Um, It takes away the platitudes, it takes away, and then you can just say like, Geez, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. Like, what do you need from me right now? Like, do, do you want a hug? Do you, do you want to go for a walk? Do you want me to just leave you alone? Like, do you want to cry on your own, and I'll check in with you, in a few days? Like, I think we can ask instead of feeling that fear.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because I think the impulse, if the impulse is fear, and I got to fix this, then we're like, we don't actually think to just ask an obvious question: Is oh, is there anything you need? Or, or how can I help? Yeah. We're afraid of what the answer will be, going, well, I can't do that. Yeah. Or we're not even thinking about them. We're thinking about how we're responding to that and what that means. Yeah. Similar to this whole letting your heart getting broken, I think I've realized, and even as we've been encouraging you to meditate through the Psalms. And I think one of the blog weeks was like, how do you put yourself in the place of what this person might be experiencing? Mm-hmm. That's so helpful. Because I think it just, if I know someone loves me, if they bungle a conversation or do something, I'm okay. Like, I don't, I just, I know they love me. So I'm like, okay, I can sort of through it. They come back and say, I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, totally, I get it. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a good word about love. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob, anything final just to add as we close in terms of like, you know, we've been talking about this dynamic of like with God and with God's people. What are the things that you have found that um, have helped you find God in this? I just, I know that's a big question, but. Yeah.
3: Um, well, like I said, I'm still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I did uh, this summer when we went to the cottage was just ask God, OK, so this is happening to me. So what should I read? What should I do? How do you want to speak to me? Mm-hmm. And I felt him uh, leading me to read through the Psalms of Lament. So mm-hmm. I made a list, and I kind of every morning got up and just started reading through and making notes. And in the evening, um, I would go fishing. And I would just play those same psalms that I listened to, uh, that I I read in the morning. I would listen to them again in the evening. Mm. And after about three, four days of this, patterns started kind of coming out. Um, So the things that helped me was, this is nothing new. Uh, People have always dealt with this. God's people have always dealt with this. Um, I loved how honest um, the writers were. Um, and there, there was what also helped me is there's different elements, like you said. There's a mental part, there's a, an emotional part, there's a spiritual part. Um, so, just knowing to, to address all those things have been helpful. And what I've been observing is the church historically has just, you know, repent and, right? Um, and when there's other things going on, so people felt that heavy. For my experience, um, there are times where I've been confronted where the scripture says repent, mm-hmm. so that actually is still a reality, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry for all the people that have been, you know, hit with that in a way that's not appropriate. Um, but God wants me to take care of my mind, my body. Um, but every psalmist and every psalm was like, you know, when I confessed not my sin, my bones ached within mm-hmm. me. So there's something about that where. We have to, you know, come back to God, surrender again, confess again. Mm-hmm. So that's always a part of it, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of parts to it, which I'm figuring yeah. out right now.
0: So that's good. And I want to end with that because I think one of the roles, certainly when I know people who have helped me through dark times, they asked good questions. And they weren't leading me somewhere. Like they weren't trying to set me up to ah, drop a, a bomb or throw a bible dart or something. They were genuinely, to your point, they're entering into where I'm at. They really do love me, but they are asking me good questions. And I think one of the questions to ask each other is, "Hey, is there something you're hiding, like from God or whatever that you need to get to, to, to confess? Also, is there something you need? You know, what do you need right now? Um, there's some, is there something I can join you in? Is there? You know, I think so. I realize the more we're free, and as you said, Robin, the love of God for us, the more we're free to enter into where the other person is at." The more we feel like, oh, I think I actually want to know, and I'm going to ask better questions around that. Um, you, the great thing about the fact that all three of these people are in our community is they didn't know this, but this is an open invitation to talk to them about it, about these things and just ask, you know. And they're going to appropriately share or what they don't want to. I think that was a good word, Tim, about about where we feel safe and. Um, but uh, just to encourage you that this is something we are doing together as a community. You're not alone in this. And so I hope, as Tim talked about, trust, hope, and what was your last Dignity. One? Dignity, yeah. That we would continue to be growing and becoming um, a community like this. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks for joining us. All right. Hopefully you uh, felt like that was some wisdom God gave you through some of the people um, in our in our faith community and uh, as i said for some of you that are just entering into our community today you're going to want to go back over and listen to some of this stuff um but as we close and the band's going to come up and and just lead us in a song of response um i guess i wanted to leave you with something it's been six weeks kind of journeying through this. For some of you, I know it's like, oh, I'm so glad we're done, like it's heavy. Um, And at the same time, you know, like there's no way to put a bow on something like this, and that's not our intention. Our intention was actually to become more of a community that is able to talk about this. But as you, um, wherever you are, okay, so if you're someone who would say, yeah, I'm not okay right now, or you're someone who is connected with someone, or you'd say, well, I don't, I don't connect with this at all. Here's my encouragement to you. You need to own your own journey in this. And uh, one of the things that Brett Ullman said a couple weeks ago that I think is applicable to all of us, I cannot just stay where I am. Okay. If you say, I don't get this, I'm sorry, you cannot just stay where you are. Okay. Because the people around you need you to grow in your ability to love them better. That's just part of what we need. right? If you say on the other extreme, I am so stuck, you know, that was one of the things that Brett talked about. He's feeling so stuck, shut in his house for five months. And his wife said something to him, well, if you were ever going to speak again, he's like, I'm never going to speak again. She's like, yeah, but if you were, what would you speak on? And he, he talked about this. Well, what can I do in this? And so wherever we, hap- we happen to be, right? Or if you're saying, you know, I want to help, but I don't know how. I, I fumble the ball all the time. I don't know what to say. What can I do? Here's the first one is to just take a step to own this more. For some of you that may uh, may be seeing a counselor, we sent out a resource sheet. We have a few counselors that we're connected with that we recommend that are on those resource sheets. If you want a copy of that, you can uh, come and talk to me after. Um, Robin talked about taking a risk in friendship, being willing to risk and say, okay, as I said, everybody in my faith community doesn't need to know what I'm going through, but if nobody knows... That's not good. So who could I ask to be a safe person for me? And, and that's a risk involved in that. Or you have seen someone who is struggling and you need to take a step towards them and say, hey, are you okay? You don't have to let me know, but are, are you, I don't want you to be alone in this. How can I help? Um, prayer, yourself, Rob talked about just going into the Psalms, you know, talked about the community dynamic, but fishing, I mean, for some, for me, that's closer to hell than to heaven, but hey, if you, <laughs> wherever that is for you, right, that place, and he said, I just read and reread and reread, and then put it on the Bible app, right, and I always said, like, there's whatever accent you want people to read the Bible to you, like, it, whatever gets through to you, just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, as scripture becomes to get into you, and it brings you to God, um, and then some of you just may need to re-listen to this stuff again, Secondly, can I say this? We need to grow as asking better or more questions of each other. I'm convinced this is just a life skill that most people don't have. Um, it's something I've tried to grow in and learn in, but Jen and I will often comment. We'll be out for a night with somebody or friend or whatever. We say, they didn't ask us a single question in two and a half hours. I know everything about their life. I know their, their parents' names. I know what's going on in their family. I know their siblings. I don't even think they know if I have a sibling. And I don't take offense at it. It's just, I just note. I'm like, we're not good at it. And I honestly think it's not because we don't care about each other. I think we're so self-absorbed. We're not even thinking about the other person. We are so insecure. We are so afraid. How am I coming across? Do I look okay? Did I choose the right sweater? You know, it's my hair. Do they like me? Oh, oh, they just said this. What am I going to say? Or they're talking about what? And, and, And we'll ask maybe one question how are you doing? And they say something, and then we go into, oh, well, yeah, here's how I relate to that, and here's my story about that. And yeah, we all need people who are going to listen to us, but I'm convinced this is something we need to grow in, is asking better or just more questions because we genuinely want to know. So that's something, and as you begin to know other people's stories, that's how your heart grows in compassion for them. And so this is like a simple, we say, well, I don't have compassion. Okay, that's, I'm I'm just going to make myself compassionate. No, that's something you can't do. But you know what you can do? You can start asking more questions. It's a simple thing. Um, It'll, that by itself, I think, well, well, that's just such an act of love. I remember the first time I sat down with my spiritual director, and for an hour and a half, he just asked me questions. And just listened. And then he would ask me more questions about what he, I could tell he was listening. I just started crying. I said, I feel so loved right now. And so sometimes that's one of the most loving things you can do to someone in your life is just ask good questions. And then thirdly, as I said, be willing to let both your heart and our neat categories of God, faith, and prayer and healing be broken up a bit. I know that's what's happened to me over the last many years, is I'm slower. I know this is hard to believe. I'm slower to speak. And I have less things that I'm so sure of God is this and that. But there's other things I've become actually more sure of God. It hasn't shaken my faith to let these things be blown apart. I actually feel closer to God than ever before. I'm so convinced he is who he is. But I have way more room for mystery in my life than the the tight things. And so some of the breaking, when someone says, I hate God. I don't even think he exists. I can't believe he. And you notice the fear coming in. You know what some of that fear is? You have the same questions, but you're too afraid to say it. Or as you really listen to their predicament, you're starting to go, yeah, God, where are you? Where are you? It's okay. It's okay to let, God is bigger than those things. As I've said to some, God has a chest big enough to beat on. We see that all the way through scripture. People asking questions, asking questions, asking questions. It's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know wh- where this place me got. And as I said, for me, it's actually led me into deeper worship of God, not cynicism and doubt. Is saying, okay, God, you're bigger than this. And you know what, friends, ultimately, we don't worship something and someone we can totally understand. That's an idol. You made it, you understand it, you can bow down to it. We worship a God that we don't really understand a lot of at all, but who invites us into mystery. And some of the way you walk through mysteries when you go through stuff like this, either yourself or with each other. And to let your categories of God, but also your own heart be broken with the things that other people are carrying. And you know what the beautiful thing is? You think, I won't recover from this. You know what this does? It actually makes you a more beautiful person. It makes you more humble. Um, it makes you more willing and able to listen and ask questions rather than to speak and give responses. And that's a beautiful thing. So don't resist having your heart broken by what is going on in the lives of people around you. So I'm just going to pray for us as we close and the band's just going to lead us in a song about the love of God for us. Lord, we are so humbled by the fact that, um, yeah, like humbled in a good way that you would invite us in to be your family, to be a part of your family. This is part of the good news is that you didn't just save us for heaven someday, one day, but you have adopted us into a new family where you, God, are known um, by the word love. The scriptures say that you are love. You are the essence of love. And so that is the family we have been invited into. Where Jesus, our older brother, has shown us what true love is, is to lay down his life for us, for his friends, that you have called us friends. And so in light of all that, we just want to grow um, in being a family that is willing to take more risks. We want to grow and be more safe for each other, protect us from gossip, from fear, from judgment, from criticism. Help us to know how to bring each other to you. Lord, continue to shape us to be a community that reflects your heart, your love to each other and to the world around us that is is so desperate to experience true love, unconditional love, and a love that changes us from the inside out. So lead us even as we continue to sing to you this morning and as we begun this journey these last few weeks, I pray that it would not end in our
2: hearts, that you would continue to be working in us and through us. In your name we pray. Amen.